hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 18 of the Kanja Book Club, a weekly teeny podcast where we intentionally experience Star Wars books together with our incredible community. I am one of your hosts, Timothy Guthrie, and I am here with Adam Dyson, who is carefully watching the Everton game while he podcasts. Bud, how you doing? I'm, I'm going pretty well. We're still winning, so if I do just drop out of the podcast at any time, you know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, you know, not to throw you under the bus or anything, but I know this is an important thing for you, and I want to support your fandom as much as I support your Star Wars <laughs> fandom. So I'm here for you. It's nice to see that you've decided to be my friend again. I appreciate that. I've, I, I never wasn't your friend. <laughs> Don't let him lie to you. You know who he supports. Yeah, yeah. See, he's just trying to just act nice because he's probably going to talk about the February poll soon, and he's just, you know... Just Probably. Up, he's just keeping up appearances. <laughs> well, and, and the the man with the mm-hmm who is trying to stir dissension in this podcast is our man Patrick McIntosh. How are you, sir? I'm good. Good. Yes. Let the dissension flow. Yes, the dark side. You are. Feel it. You are, you are full of evil, my friend. Full of evil. <laughs> there's, there's good in you somewhere. I know it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Glad to have you guys here. Um, if you are new to the show, welcome. We're live in Discord every Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern, and our episodes hit the Utini Patreon feed every Tuesday morning around midnight. Um, and for those of you that aren't able to catch us live, feel free to comment on our episodes. Send us a message if you'd like to get your thoughts on the air. Hello officially to Alexander and Chris and Maggie joining us in the chat. Looking forward to talking about these awesome comics with you guys. Um, just... A couple of quick updates. Um, really, there's only two big ones. And the first one is on Patreon. Um, y'all, we hit another goal, which is really freaking awesome. Um, and that goal is a little bit tied to the second update. But first, I'm just going to say that the Living Force guys are going to be at some point after Corey reads I Jedi. Um, they are going to do a film commentary on The Phantom Menace, which is, I'm sure, going to be absolutely disastrous and comical and awesome all at the same time. Um, but the next goal that we are working towards um, for Patreon is a roundtable discussion of Bloodline. So yeah, that Bloodline, the one by Claudia Gray, the one that we wrote a couple months ago that was really freaking good. Um, if you want to hear the other guys talk about it, give us more of your money. <laughs> Um, but no, we are so glad, so thankful um, for all of you who have contributed to this. Um, it's awesome. And also, I know that Charles has yet to read Bloodline. So we're going to want to hit this goal to make him read it because it's a need to. Um, and then I'm going to throw it over here to Adam because um, he he came back. He he came back. He joined Patreon, if only to bring this second update to fruition. Um Somebody had been poking at him and, you know, holding his head underwater to read Heir to the Empire. And so he did the thing. He paid up. He voted. Adam, we're reading Heir to the Empire in February. What you think? I know. And and whose choice was that, Timothy? I mean, I think it was the community. <laughs> oh. Oh. You see, Adam, you see oh. he was waiting for it. You, I told you you can't. Let him do this. <laughs> but I, do, I distinctly remember that you've picked the community thing before, Timothy, and it was your choice at the time. <laughs> it, is, it is indeed your pick. Adam gets the W. So uh, I don't even know what that brings our ground or our grand total to. Um, all I know is I'm still winning and that's all that really matters. So <laughs> I think this is my first win. Congratulations. Yep. It's about well, time. It's a big day. For Welcome me. to the winner's circle. <laughs> well, and, and nobody like yourself, but to bring it to fruition as well. I mean, like, like that's gotta feel good. It does. It so. does. It does. And, and I've already left Patreon. No. <laughs> Great. Great. Thank you for that. No. 
Oh, man. Well, yes. So we are reading um, Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn in February. It was the it barely squeaked out that win on our Patreon poll. So that'll be February's book. So go ahead and add it to your quick Christmas lists um, or Hanukkah or whatever holiday you celebrate this time of year. Add it to your list or, you know, maybe Valentine's Day. Get, maybe get an early Valentine's gift. What a great book to read during Valentine's. Also, <laughs> it's us. Festivus. There you go. Um, and don't forget, if you haven't already added Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule, January's book to your lists. Do that as soon as possible. Comes out January 5th. We will hit um, on January 9th. So we are going to go on a three week hiatus after this episode. Um, we're going to miss you guys a lot. Um, so let's close out 2020 with a bang and then start 2021 off with the newness of Star Wars, the newness of all of the incredible life changing plot driven Star Wars goodness <laughs> that we're going to get. <laughs> um, super excited about it. Boys, you ready to do this thing? Let's do it. All righty. So like last week, I'm just going to we're going to kind of take it each um, comic at a time. Uh, we ran pretty long last time, so we'll see how how this week goes. So I'm going to hit the summary for each one and then we're going to do questions and kind of talk about it. Feel free to throw up some stuff in the chat and we'll make sure to um, to get you involved. So we're going to start off with uh, we're talking Age of Republic heroes. Um, we're going to talk about some of the specials at the end. And um, this first one is Qui-Gon Jinn, and the story is balance. So we're on the planet Bryn. Um, Qui-Gon and Mistress Thayer, um, she's the priestess of wood. They're under attack. Um, they signal for Obi-Wan to get the ship ready. It seems that there's a dispute about whether or not to cut down trees. Um, they're surrounded before they can get to the ship. Um, the opposition says that the trees will come down with uh, the priestess's blood or her word. Um, Obi-Wan drops the ship in and Qui-Gon takes the mistress up and rescues her. She is outraged, but it's really the only way they can do this for now. The Metal Clan, which is who is trying to fight them, um, will not harm a leaf without her word or her blood. As I said, um, they set out to go to Coruscant. The mistress there is pissed <laughs> that they're on the planet full of metal because, of course, they are. Um, thinking that the Jedi are cowards for running away, she expected them to be these great warriors. Um, at the Jedi Temple, Yoda approaches Qui-Gon. He senses this turmoil within him, and Qui-Gon appears concerned with being called this great warrior. Um, he thinks the Jedi being on Coruscant may be a problem, that they're just being used as a weapon of the Republic without any real idea as to how the Force works. That's not how the Force works. Um, it is worth looking into the Force for more answers. Qui-Gon decides to leave Coruscant and let the Force guide him to those answers. He arrives on a planet full of life and without technology. It's absolutely beautiful, but he feels something cold, a darkness. Force is really strong here. Does he fight it or does he learn from it? He sits on this throne of darkness. He sees like almost the reverse of what we saw um, in the Darth Maul comic. Strands of red forming into beings around him. He kills them all, and then they turn into Jedi he knew. And the darkness spreads into him and takes over him. Luckily, it was a vision. Kind of weird. Uh, but he thinks about balance. The light was able to find its way into the darkness uh, without any conflict. Unchecked, the Jedi could become what they fight against. Going back to Coruscant, he tries to convince her, uh, the priestess, to search for allies on Coruscant who have found a way around her similar predicament. Sitting with Yoda, Qui-Gon reveals that he has found answers, yes, but also a lot more questions. Yoda reveals that certainty leads to arrogance, which leads to the dark side. Qui-Gon recommends bending so that, you know, the tree doesn't break, as balance is the purpose of the Jedi. The dark side consumes, and no balance is to be found on that path, so maybe they won't bend to it. Adam, what'd you think of this one? I uh, really yep. enjoyed this one and thought it paralleled quite well with Darth Maul's vision on Malachor, especially as a child in, you know, ingesting. Oh, sorry. Well, that's going back to the Darth Maul, um, the Darth Maul. Right. But yeah. No, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great um, parallel to Darth Maul. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool the way that they were able to set this up. Um, you know, Patrick, most of the stories involving Qui-Gon involve nature. We saw it in this. We saw it in uh, Master and Apprentice. Um, what does this say about him? Well, it just goes back to the idea that he's always been one grounded in the living force. Um, so, you know, 
where he can feel and draw on the force of through the birds, the fish, the water, the trees. And he finds himself always most at peace there, too, especially in Master and Apprentice. When he was outside in the wilderness, he always felt himself centered. And it goes back, honestly, what you're saying in Master Apprentice, Master and Apprentice, use words, Patrick, um, where he said that the Jedi would be better off if they moved to a rural planet, to somewhere that was out of the way where they could um, be more integrated in a smaller community. Yeah, that was really interesting to to hear his concerns brought up um, on that particular front. Um, you know, Adam kind of tied to that, you know, being used as a, a pawn of the the Republic. Um, he has these concerns about feeling like a, like a weapon. Um, he still wrestles with violence to an extent. Um, you know, do you think that he kind of fights against what the Jedi are are teaching enough? Do you think he puts up enough of a of a challenge against that? I think it, you can only fight your conditioning so much. Like you know, it's it's easy to forget that Qui Gon too was probably was brought to the temple at such a young age and indoctrinated into that lifestyle and belief system. And though he's knocking on the door of intellectual freedom, it is like there is still a barrier there. And I think he can he can only really take it so far. And and we saw that at the end of the issue when, you know, he's approaching the idea of, of bending and finding that balance. And then he has a discussion with Yoda and, you know, by the end, oh, I might not, we might not do it right now. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll do it later. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can understand how it would be quite hard for him to fully Is there... go all out. Yeah, is there a way to bend and not bend to the dark side? Mm, I think it's a hard one because, you know, I think the dark side is a natural occurrence. It is like it, we will feel these emotions. We cannot stop those emotions from happening. You can block yeah. them with whatever techniques that you think that you can employ, but they are still part of you. Anger and sadness and even arrogance and all these all these tier two emotions. It's just, yeah, it is difficult um, to say, but I would like it is it is natural. It is that's why balance is so important. Patrick, do you feel similarly there? Um, do you think there's a way to bend without bending to the dark side? Absolutely. Um, to deny such emotions and such natural feelings, like um, passion. Um, anger, sadness, that's that's re- almost rejecting, like, you know, our se- own sentient nature. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of takes it takes a piece of you away. Like, it does not make you whole without, um, with, you know, without your full range of emotions. And if you're able to bend, but not, like, you know, be consumed by those, then in a way, you could be made whole. Hmm. Because uh, you were, you're delving into all sides, but you're not, you know, you're not trapped by them. Right. Right. Yeah. It it reminds me of uh, Dooku Jedi Lost. Right. There's the mantra of, uh, you know, stepping into the Force, acknowledge the darkness that's there, but walking into the light. It's like being aware that that that's a thing. Um. I don't know. It's it's really interesting. I don't know how I would answer that i i somewhere in between you guys probably <laughs> i don't know that it's uh i i guess i guess tasting it, it may be fine you know it's uh just don't don't be consumed by it entirely um i don't know it's really interesting but I, I, i'm glad that they had this conversation um and getting to see yoda pop up here is a lot of fun we get to see yoda in the next one too um and yoda's one that um, I don't know that I was necessarily planning to talk about, but he's got some um, some conflicting ideals, I think, at times. Um, or maybe it's just he cha- it sounds like he's teaching something different depending on the situation, um, which I think may be valid. But let's jump into that one. Um, we're talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi mission is this next one. Oh, actually, first, 
did y'all have a favorite page or panel from Qui-Gon? Uh, Patrick, let's start with you. Do you? Um, I liked Qui-Gon meditating in the forest. Okay. That seemed like very, it was, it was very in character for him. And it was very, oh, what's the word I was looking for? I just hadn't, I lost it, but very, very cosmic in his way of thinking, like mm-hmm. out of body, out of body, but also centering himself. Yeah. If that made any sense. I got you. I got you. Adam, how about you? I uh, really like the panel where it's got Qui-Gon in the middle and he's walking and the wind is caught his cloak and it's, you know, blowing off to the side, but he's walking with just through that vegetation of that planet. I thought that was very, mm-hmm. very, um, just, just a natural feel to that whole panel. It was really nice. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I am personally a fan of when he is lightsabering all of the red, <laughs> the the darkness. Um, but the only reason I, that I really call that to mind is because I love the way that they've been able to capture in comics how the force looks um, for those that have darkness in them and those that, you know, are flowing with the, the light side. Um, you know, there's kind of like this swirling peacefulness i guess in in the light um and then there's you know this rage red you know kind of kind of stuff happening there um, anytime i read the darth vader comics and it goes into you know vader having a a vision through the force or something like that and like you see his robot legs don't have anything and i'm like that's so cool um just the imagery of that um it just i love the connections there so but i think that's my favorite the, the good contrast of you know he is still on that peace and everything around him is at peace except for these red things trying to attack him um <laughs> uh, really cool so yeah let's talk about obi-wan kenobi mission so we start off um at the jedi temple on coruscant um, the younglings are meditating which meditation on its own, it's it's about gaining a deeper sense of understanding themselves and control of thoughts and emotions more than just connecting with the force. Um, you have to master yourself before you can master the force. And Obi and Annie are meditating and Anakin needs to hold this rock pyramid type thing upside down for the whole session. Um, and Obi-Wan kind of reflects on when he listens, he's really great. <laughs> um, but he, he feels the sense of unease. Um, Anakin's rocks crumble. Obi-Wan never expected to be in this place without Qui-Gon. And then Master Tassan walks into the room with a mission for Obi-Wan on the planet Dalinor. Um, Archaeology thinks that they've found a holocron. Uh, Annie is to train with Yoda and the younglings while Obi-Wan is away, which he hates because he's so far ahead of them. Um, Because, of course, Anakin's whining again, Adam. Uh, While Obi is researching, though, Yoda asks him to take Anakin along. Because Obi-Wan is unsure he's ready, maybe he should stay. And Yoda ends up countering that a master's belief in an apprentice is also important. If Anakin is going to be trained at all, he needs to be trained well. So he tags along, and Obi-Wan reflects on how sheltered he's been keeping Anakin, because, uh, you know, not letting him fly and stuff. Their paths are not the same. Anakin asks Obi-Wan about his uh, life pre-temple, and when he answers that it was pretty much always at the temple, Anakin gets defensive because his path seems to always be changing. Uh, On Dalinor, they meet a Togruta named Clatrif, who is ready to get the holocron out of her hands. Local pirate trouble has increased since learning about it. Obi-Wan goes inside to double-check it while Anakin keeps an eye out, and just as Obi-Wan gets inside, Anakin runs in and informs them that the pirates are here. Um, Outside, Hutsu Shaku leader of the Cryptor Riders, threatens to take the artifacts from their dead bodies if it isn't turned over. When Obi-Wan ignited his lightsaber, Shaku decides he wants it instead. The Riders attack. Obi-Wan takes most of them out, but Anakin gets taken hostage. Anakin uses the Force to throw rocks at the back of his captor's head, and he is freed. And then back on the ship, Anakin apologizes for being caught. He knew that he wasn't ready, but Obi-Wan tells him there's nothing to apologize for. Anakin thought that Obi-Wan was stuck with him, but really it was Obi-Wan who thought that Anakin was stuck with him. Uh, If he couldn't save a master, how could he save a Padawan? Anakin says that they'll just have to wait or to save each other then. Obi-Wan lets Anakin pilot the ship and reflects on how the master is just as much a student. He made a promise, so he won't fail to train Anakin again. Patrick, what do you think about um, Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship here? Training the little guy is a pain 
Well, it just shows it was a rocky start. It was very uneasy from the beginning. And honestly, it kind of shows they didn't really do that good of a job training him in the way he should have been. It seems like all the time, like, Obi-Wan was always afraid of him. And I feel like the rest of them were too dogmatic to really help him the way he needed to be helped. Hmm. Okay. Adam, what do you think? you have anything you want to respond to that? Yeah, just in terms of the relationship, I thought this, I really liked this whole, um, this issue and not just, and not like from an action perspective, just, just on the little things of between the two's, the growing relationship and Obi-Wan's hesitation in the position that he finds himself in and the doubt that Anakin already shows and <laughs> such, you know, it happens yeah. when you join this kind of group at a, at an older age. So for me, that's what really stuck out in terms of the relationship is just how rocky it was at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, clearly Anakin is a bit older at this point than what we see in The Phantom Menace. So even after perhaps a year or two, it's still at this point. Yeah, I think I think this issue does something that I never really thought about, and that is to point out that just about every every Jedi that is there at the temple grew up in the temple. And so bringing this kid, like they all have the same shared history, um, even if it's not completely identical it's it's pretty close um and i loved that we were able to get that patrick i to ask you guys do you think that was one of the biggest downfalls of them is that since they're bringing in these like kids who are like younger than toddlers that they don't have any changes in their viewpoints there's no there's no diversity in viewpoints or backgrounds or anything because at that point you, you don't have a background whether you're even if your family was rich, poor, whatever, um, you're taken when you're too young to realize it. Is that a big downfall of them? Depends. Uh, I, I think for the Jedi, you know, obviously the intention is to never know anything else. Um, that the thing that you know is the only thing worth knowing. And so I think we're led to believe that, you know, at least through the films and we get much more in the gray areas through the books and the comics, but they are supposed, supposed to be right. They are supposed to be the, the ideal. And so I don't know, you know, from that particular perspective, I would say no, but also in the real world, like diversity matters and, you know, having different thought, showing growth, being able to accurately defend the things that you think and believe against you know, other things that are out there, um, that's vastly important. And you can't do that without effectively knowing what, you know, someone else's perspective and background is and having maybe lived in it or something like that. So I don't know. I I could go both ways on that answer, I guess. Adam, what do you think? I think in terms of, you know, taking the little ones or the younglings at such a young age from perhaps even happy families and, and, you know, a family that they would grow up into this wonderful person, I think is, for me, I just, I'm not a fan of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. just, just straight no. up. It's like you are, um, I think that each case would, should, would have had to have been looked at differently. Are you, are you taking a youngling away from what is an abusive upbringing? Yes. And, you know, that, that does, that changes things. But if you're taking a, a youngling from just a really good family or just, you know, a family full of love and, and opportunity and then you bring him into this dogmatic world, you know, is that a step backwards kind of thing? It's, yeah. Because in the end, like, I, I haven't looked too much into it of, you know, the, how much choice the family had or the child for that matter. Right. Um, yeah, but like for me, taking a youngling from a family, especially a good family, is just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, I think I think it was Ghost Crew maybe that um, 
Eric and, and Charlie were, were talking about this thing because um, they just watched, I think it's the Children of the Force episode. I can't remember um, what it's called off the top of my head. But, you know, you've got these Inquisitors that are coming and just stealing people from their homes. And I don't know that that's what the Jedi were doing, right? I'm, I'm kind of thinking more along the lines of Ahsoka of like, hey, look, here's, here's an option. You can take this child if you want to. Granted, she was, you know, almost, you know, kidnapped and stolen, not by the Jedi, but she was kind of rescued. But... You know, I kind of almost see it more of, uh, yeah, like this kid has these supernatural abilities that we have nothing like we don't know how to do anything with this. And but there's this organization that does. So ta-da! Um, will you take my kid? I don't know. I, I'd be interested to to see what that whole operation looks like, because, yeah, there's some sketchiness that that could very much lie there. And and that is that is pretty messed up. The, I mean, they're they're a cult. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, you know, I think what makes it worse is that once, even in that situation, where, you know, that whole Ahsoka to the Jedi Order and how that played out, it's just, but the communication is like cut at that point. So, right. How would how you know would it have been different if that the family could still communicate? with the youngling in the mm. temple and the youngling knows that there's still that support network on the outside. And then, you know, that you can leave whenever you want, which you can, but I, I doubt that that's really getting drilled in, into them at any point because they don't, they, they grow up and that support network disappears and they think they really don't have anything to go back to. But in yeah. fact, many I mean, of them do. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me a lot of Dooku Jedi Lost and how how you know Dooku ends up getting into communication with his sister. Spoiler alert! Um, and you know that like it it makes him eventually want to leave because he realizes that you know attachment to family matters to him and that's something that would have been valuable to him. Yeah. And if the Jedi would forcibly remove something that could have been a positive thing in his life, he's like, ah, it's not worth it then. Yeah. Um, and it makes him a very sympathetic character in that book until closer to the end when he's you know off his rocker <laughs> yeah but yeah patrick and also i just was thinking back to the um qui-gon comic it makes it kind of goes back to the point of they're also raising them in this huge overwhelming city planet yeah. you know that's like you always think about oh the um, big city's not a kid place for a little kid mm. it's Somewhere like nice, more natural, more tuned to help them, you know, grow up in a peaceful, calm environment, free from the political machinations. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I feel that. Well, what do y'all think about about the timeline uh, for this story? Like, did you appreciate seeing a younger Anakin and, and an Obi-Wan who is who really has a lot of self-doubt? Um, you know, did, did you like this timeline, Adam? Yeah, I was a big fan. Um, it's this and the corresponding miniseries, Anakin and Obi-Wan, that fall within this little bit of time frame. So, you know, sits between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. And it's, I love it. I love seeing their relationship grow. I love seeing the relationship stumble on numerous occasions because we have to remember that Obi-Wan is a young man. Mm -hmm. Young man thoughts. Like he's still going to doubt himself he's not the the jedi master that we see in revenge of the sith or the the charismatic master of a overenthusiastic padawan that we see in attack of the clones like he's still going through his own journey at the same time so i do i love this this few years between those films yeah and patrick i want to get your thoughts on on our on our boy yoda um you know, he he refused to to let Anakin be trained at first. I mean, vehemently in episode one. Right. And now there's, you know, Yoda walking with Obi-Wan down the corridor. Right. And he's like, he's like, is I, you need to probably take Anakin with you. This is as much on you as it is on anything. And if the boy's going to be trained, he needs to be trained. Right. <laughs> what did you think about about that conversation and and Yoda kind of switching maybe back and forth on on how he wants people to handle Anakin. I mean, at this point in time, I thought he was correct. Like it was on Obi-Wan since he is the primary trainer. But at the same time, I still, 
it confuses me because I don't know where he stands on Anakin. Like, it seems like he wanted to trust him, but at the same time, he never allowed himself to, uh, you know, fully in his mind see Anakin as one of them. Right. Like, he, they always had him separate in their minds. Mm-hmm. It, it brings to mind for me, you know, just as much as this lesson could have been more about Obi-Wan taking ownership for the fact that he is his master. Um, I also wished that this lesson was better communicated to himself as well, because it was in large part because of the council and their lack of faith in Anakin being masters to him that he ultimately stumbled the way that he did. Um, he never felt that belief and trust from them. And so even though Obi-Wan gave him some, there was enough happening everywhere else that it wasn't um, it wasn't enough for it to stick, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, favorite page, favorite panel, Adam, you got one. Yeah, there was there was a lot going on in this in this particular issue. Yeah. And- Again, just a small panel for me. It was just Obi-Wan, like, shoving Anakin to the back and getting his lightsaber out. You know, get behind me, Anakin. Just big brother Obi-Wan coming through for little brother Anakin. It was just a nice little nice little bit of art, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, how about you? I think my favorite was the end when um, he let him fly, and they kind of start to, um, you know, see eye to eye a bit more at the end. Yep. That is that is my favorite as well. Um just and kind of the determination and I think the beginning of of their camaraderie really where it you know Obi-Wan's lamenting on the fact that you know I couldn't save my master how am I supposed to save a padawan? Um and then Anakin's like I guess we're just going to have to save each other then. And I'm like and this is you know what leads to the bantering of like hey remember you owe me for that one <laughs> and you owe me for this one. Um, I love that we got to see the beginning of this and them finally being accepting of their roles within each other's lives. Really cool. Um, and we're going to lead to Anakin's story, which is the sacrifice. Um, we start off in the Corvair sector. It's a giant space battle. Of course, it is Anakin in the middle of it swoops in, saves some clones from some droid ships, and then they lay waste to everything around them. Um, on board the Resolute, Admiral Yularen and Annie talk over um, where the droids came from. It's the third moon of Kudo. Um, they can strike the factory, but it will be deadly. The local population appears to have helped uh, the manufacturing because of the quick turnaround, and they were not able to fully automate the systems. Um, Anakin doesn't like it, but Yularen knows the cost of war. Delaying the attack would grant opportunity for more Republic troops to die. Um, there's going to be death either way this goes. Anakin understands, but he doesn't want to make these kinds of calls. He'd rather just be flying. In the cafeteria, Obi-Wan finds him and discusses his options. War is tricky. There are no real easy options. Anakin knows that slaughtering people is wrong. Oh, that's that's interesting. Um, And Obi-Wan commends him for the long way he has come. Anakin takes off his on his own as um, in his starfighter. Jedi do what is right, regardless of military directive. Jedi don't commit mass murder from a distance. At the foundry on Kudo 3, Annie finds it empty. Maybe. It's too quiet. (laughs) He walks inside, but he can sense suffering. The population has been enslaved. Anakin flashes back to images of Watto and his mom. He jumps in, kills the droids, and saves the day. The slaves were fed a lie that the Republic was going to kill them. Anakin switches that up for them. They grab the droid guns and start fighting for themselves. On board the Resolute, Yalaran, Obi, and Annie work out that it was a trap to get the Republic to kill innocents. Yalaran recognizes Anakin's good call, and Anakin wonders if the Kudan will join the Republic. Obi-Wan says that it is for politicians to help work that out, but Annie gave them an opportunity to still possibly choose that route. Patrick, what did you think of this story, and what do you think is the importance of the title being The Sacrifice? Now he's not ready to kill people. Okay, <laughs> right? He's like, I, he's like, I don't do orbital bombardment. I like to like to get my hands dirty. Man of the people over here. No, but um, in all seriousness, I it really comes to hit you that they put a lot on his shoulders at such an age too. Like he's no more than what twenty one, two. Yeah. When this one is going on. 
So the fact of the matter is he's, he's of course, he's, he doesn't want to make these decisions. He's, what, on normal people terms, fresh out of college, still trying to yeah. party? Yeah. He does. <laughs> he's better at flying. He wants to do what he's good at and, you know, be the hero that he can be behind the cockpit. Mm. Not having to worry about who's going to die in, a, in the next attack. You know, what did you think of this story? And uh, what do you think the sacrifice was? I think it was, for me, when I look at the title and I look at the story, it is just war itself and the sacrifice of the trillions of civilians who suffered during the Clone Wars. And we see this as a trap because Anakin just does Anakin things and jumps in and saves the day and realizes that the separatists wanted the republic to to kill these innocents and and we would then use that as propaganda and and systems around kudo to then probably flock to the confederate cause so you look at the title and the sacrifice and what high-ranking officers like you and see as a necessity is did this happen at any other time throughout the war um we yes war brings the sacrifice of civilians and that's war is stupid and but in this particular story, in this particular, you know, franchise, did the Confederacy use this in the past? <laughs> and because they didn't right. have Anakin, who just does Anakin things and jumps into the middle of things he shouldn't be jumping into the middle <laughs> of, like he saved the day. But perhaps more stringent Jedi would have just gone with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I saw Jedi Pig entered the chat. Have you have you seen Mando by chance, Jedi Pig? Have, are you caught up this week? Um, feel free to let us know because I may want to talk about it here in a minute. Um, <laughs> the the flashing back to the slavery scenes just absolutely destroyed me. Um, just wrecked, especially after you know reading Revenge of the Sith and getting into the ins and outs of that, um, and then. Just the more that we talk about Anakin, you know, more than we talk about Vader, even after the fact, I'm just like, I just I can't. That kid's been through so much. Um, what did I don't know? I, Adam, I know that you had a pretty strong, strong, strong tie to to distaste of Watto in our recent <laughs> you know, previous discussions. How did that make you feel seeing all this again here? It just. Every time you see it, it just really hammers home how much he suffered as a little boy and how yeah. much his mum suffered and how much his mother continued to suffer when really he was rescued it by Qui-Gon. Like, you watch The Phantom Menace and what is his bumbling fool, but you read the Revenge of the Sith novelization, you realise he's an abusive asshole. Um, yep. Yeah, so it's just, it is really heartbreaking, you know, it's, yeah, that's really all I can say. Yep, um, I'm right there with you. I think if anything, you know, and we don't have to get super into spoilers here, but, you know, I this episode or this episode, this comic reminded me a lot of uh, the most recent Mando episode that, you know, choices really matter um, and that situation on the ground may not always be exactly what you think it is. Um, Patrick, did any anything there in particular stick out to you? Um, in terms of the Mando episode, or I mean, just anything, just how how it relates and the idea that you know being being in command and making decisions, um, not knowing what that situation is always like on the ground, it's it it's going to be different. I will say this: this story had a very lesson learned Clone Wars arc feel to it. Like, um, yeah, like one of those like Clone Wars where it's a great episode, but it's also it's it's there to teach like a moral lesson. And like like the title card at the beginning, the fortune cookie is, you know, yeah. don't read a book, you know, don't base a book on its cover or something like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it, it it seems more than just um, his journey, but it also it was a kind of a lesson for everybody. Not everything's what it what you seem and tough choices will have to be made to get anywhere. Yeah. Um, do you have a Patrick, do you have a favorite panel or page from this particular one? Oh, my favorite is, um, 
when Kenobi walks into the mess hall with him. And what's the little smart remark he says? Is dinner any good? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's just my favorite. Of course it's not. <laughs> Adam, how about you? Uh, for me, it was Anakin in the cockpit, cockpit of his fighter giving the little salute with his hand as he flies through the other starfighters. It just very much brought me back to Happy Anakin at the start of Revenge of the Sith as he's flying yep. in his Jedi starfighter. Yeah, he is just... It, it's a really cool... It was my favorite one as well, um, you know, being underneath the rest of the ships. And he. It, it's a really cool piggyback off of the last comic, mm. um, which I thought was really interesting that this one seemed a little bit more structured with all four of these stories together. Uh, but I loved that, you know, the last episode was, yeah, you get to fly, and then we open this one up and he's having the time of his life flying. <laughs> Yeah. Love it. Absolutely love it. Well, let's get into the love of his life, which is his wife, Padme Amidala, in The Bridge. So they are on Coruscant. Padme is going somewhere, but doesn't want Anakin to, to go with her. Um, they both have jobs to do, and they can't be around each other all the time. Watching her isn't his job, but he jokes that it's his hobby. They kiss, and Mote spots them. I hope I'm saying her name correctly. She knows about discretion. Padme is going to Duro, but not really. She won't tell anyone where she, Mote, and Dorme are actually going. Padme is so sure of her actions, she wants to pilot her ship for accountability into hostile territory. The handmaidens discuss her relationship with Anakin. She's allowed to feel happy. That's okay. No matter how ill-advised the situation might be, it, it's fine. Everything's fine. Situation normal. Um, on Claybron. Uh, they are not met with any guests, which is odd. Um, they're prepared for anything, though, and head down the ramp. They spot someone in the shadows of a doorway, and the figure tells them to leave because it isn't safe. Before they can learn more, Mote is sniped from above. She's alive, and they run inside the compound instead of to the ship. Uh, second Minister Tarman was the figure, and he won't let them in. With Mote hurt, he decides to help, even though it isn't safe. They find the Grand Minister Stin is on his deathbed. The people wanted to avoid the conflict, even if they hoped the Republic would win. They'd probably be more forgiving of neutral worlds compared to the Separatists. But Padme promises to find a way to help, and then he dies. The Second Minister takes his place and is angry. Padme was able to calm him down. She reflects on how she has served under her, how she has served her people for the greater good. Even though the war breaks her heart, she still believes in the Republic and the hope that all will soon be united together. Um, when asked if that includes the assassin that's upstairs, Padme devises a way to take her out. The assassin's name is Lise Moles, and she is wanted for numerous charges. They take her aboard the ship, and while the second minister isn't sure they'll outright join the Republic, they will find other ways to lend aid. Padme is grateful for a chance to prove hope for a better galaxy isn't unfounded at all. Patrick, what'd you think of this one? Oh, gosh. The first few panels when they get caught, that is the funniest <laughs> thing ever. Because it's, yep. yeah, y'all don't, y'all aren't, y'all aren't subtle at all. No, it made, me, are... it made me think back to Attack of the Clones. You know when they're coming out the tunnel? Yes. Into the yes, arena. Yes, yes. I, was, I was like, if he's facing the right way, can Kenobi see them? Like, oh, surely, right? And it's just like the the conversations that everyone has about the prequels, like, who else knew about this? That's just the first thing that pops into my mind. It's just like, yeah, who else knew about this? Oh, everybody. Was everybody let's be honest. I'm yes. Let's be honest. I'm sure that they are on the cover of of uh species magazine or something like that in you know, that, on the hollow net version like, of people of people. It is. It is. I was trying to think about it. <laughs> I like it. Um, I like it. Yeah, Species Magazine, there you go. Um, Lucasfilm and uh, Star Wars, Del Rey, Marvel, feel free to uh, send payment to my PayPal. Um, now, it's... Yeah, no, that's it's, our new, it's uh, funny. That's our new Patreon show. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh my God, that's brilliant. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll work on that behind the scenes. Yeah, we'll talk um, later. We'll talk later. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk later. <laughs> um, I, I do want to give a shout out before I ask um adam this next question i do want to say congratulations on your win good sir everton pulled off the w 
So I, I got that notification on my phone just now. So congratulations. Yep. <laughs> just saw it. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, one of the the weird things about this one, I don't I don't know that I it's not that I didn't enjoy it, but it feels the same to me. Um, I feel like Padme's strength is once again on display here, which is great. I love seeing it. She's probably in my top five favorite characters of all time in Star Wars. Um, but to me, it, it just feels like a little bit of everything else. Um, are you happy with this Padme story or would you have liked a different kind of story from her? Hmm. I always love this type of Padme story personally, but I also yeah. come at it like I will. Creatives get creative. <laughs> yeah. Um So mm-hmm. I'm always, always looking for something new. Um, I, I didn't read the story and think that, you know, uh, like, yeah, it definitely has similarities to many others that we see with Padme in it. And, but I still loved it. You know, um, she has yeah. her strengths and, you know, she just has that ability to calm those around her and, without the use of violence, bring them in, into her close, into, into the fold. And yeah, it's just another example of that. But yeah, like I said, creatives, if they get creative, I'm, I'm always willing to sit down and, and read something. Yeah. I, I follow. Um, did you see that swap happening in the end, uh, Patrick? You know, we see um, as, you know, the snipers up on the roof, Right, I was. I, I kind of had a feeling that it wasn't Padme. I don't know. Did Did you see? Did you see the swap with the new minister uh, being the decoy? Did you see that coming? Not. Granted, I think I, I think, I had this was the only one I had read before, so I was like, oh, it hit me again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it was a great surprise the second time around, especially when you forget the first. Right. <laughs> right. Um, let's go ahead and, um, well, do y'all have any favorite pages panels on this particular one? Adam, let's start with you. The easy choice. It is the kiss between Anakin and Padme with the Coruscant skyline in the large window behind them. Yeah. Good, good, good. Patrick, you? Same thing. The, it's the outright best panel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna try to throw another one in the mix. <laughs> um, let's see like, here. When they see him in the window, do people like you know use their speeder horn and just honk and wave? <laughs> yeah. Do they want an autograph? I think just. I think for them, it's lucky that they're what thirteen hundred stories above level one <laughs> good point <laughs> at least you know not many not many people can see them having a snog through the window <laughs> well i was also curious like that balcony she lives on it's like got a nice open walkway with a fountain to it it's like like what if they're spending the night together how do they get privacy can't just like can't somebody just see through that that's like put some blinds up man do do something like surely they have uh, like a shading effect or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's we're we're starting to 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 run a little long. I don't want to go another 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> we could talk about the stuff all day, but we want to make sure to hit the specials. So let's go ahead and quickly move on to those. Um, we've got the first one up is called Sisters, and it is um, an Asajj Ventress centric story. Start on the Coruscant lower levels. Um, She has has severely injured a bounty that she is hunting. Um, The Davaronian that's giving her credits um, also has a puck for Ahsoka Tano. She takes it and begins to wander the streets. Um, She ponders what Ahsoka could have done to stray from the path. She almost gets pickpocketed and then hears these screams from a young girl. She goes to check it out and realizes that it's just a local entanglement. Uh, This bigger male being is threatening two young girls. Um, Asajj contemplates leaving, but she remembers being young, scared, having sisters, and losing them. She intervenes. As the male reacts to her, one of the girls stabs him in the leg with a knife, and then Asajj cuts his arm off. She tells the two girls to run, gives them a knife to use the next time someone threatens them, and tells them to keep their food and keep each other safe for as long as they can. And then it ends. It's really quick. This was one of those specials um, that was attached to the end of the villains uh, comics we talked about last week. Um, Obviously, towards the end of the Clone Wars, um, from what we saw, um, you know, with that last Ahsoka arc, 
Um, you know, how did it, Adam, how did it feel seeing Asajj step in to save these girls? I love this little story that we got out of the special. It just, it shows that she, deep down, she is a good person. She's just been through so yeah. much and just so much trauma, just, just a lot going on for Asajj. So just to see her stop, there was hesitation, but eventually she does. She she helps them, and yeah, I do. I love Asajj. Anything with Asajj, all for yeah, it. Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, sign me up. Patrick, you know she won't admit it outright. Um, you know we read in Dark Disciple like she she ends up you know getting a clean slate, um, but she definitely wants things to be made right in the eyes of the Republic with her whole situation. And it kind of makes you wish she never met Voss, huh? I mean, like, like meeting that man really screwed everything up for her. I feel like, well, what do you think? She's such deep down. She's actually a very good person. She can just tell she's been hardened and scarred by the experiences she's been through. And yeah, the whole entanglement with Voss that just made her life like nosedive into a spiral. Like, it had its ups and its downs, but at the same time, when he went down, he kind of dragged him with her. Mm. Dragged yeah, her it was, with him. Yeah, meeting meeting him arguably was the best and worst thing to happen to her, <laughs> I feel like, which is really hard. <laughs> um, a favorite page for me is when she's reflecting on, you know, that line about, I remember what it was like to have sisters and what it was like to lose them. And you get to see this kind of multi-layered you know, history of, of her story in the Clone Wars and hugging Mother Talzin and, and all of that. Absolutely beautiful. Freaking loved it. The greens and the reds, I think, worked really just beautiful on the page. Um, Patrick, do you have a favorite page panel from this particular one? I like the, I think it's the one before the ending panel where she tells the girls to um, um, be safe and take care of yourselves. Uh, yeah, right. Like with the, the knife and everything. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was very touching and heartwarming. Yep. Adam, how about you? I think it's for me is when she finally decides that, yes, I will help. And she has her lightsabers in her hand and she's like, leave them alone. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just, just you, you are going to die today. <laughs> yeah. She's given, given him a chance and, but like, she is ready to defend them. Good, good. All right, let's talk about the weapon. Our favorite person in the entire galaxy, um, expanded universe. Uh, if he was a real thing in real life, he would be my favorite person there too. Mace Windu, people. We are on the planet Usalon, the Outer Rim Territories. A Jedi patrol flies overhead. Uh, Mace Windu has been captured by a band of terrorists or freedom fighters, led by Guadico the Grim. A kiosk and Kia, who are kids full of hate, bring him to their leader with his lightsaber broken. He says that he will launch a freedom revolution from this quadrant. Mace questions his motives as his operation is backed by the Huts. He's been kidnapping children and turning them into soldiers. Mace gives him the opportunity to surrender, and it is revealed that he is bait for the rest of the Jedi. Sending a call through the Force was the second lesson he learned as a Jedi. The first? is that the Force binds his lightsaber together through him, the weapon. He assembles it and starts going to work. One of the kids turns a gun on Grimm and asks if he can go home now. Yoda is on FaceTime and points out that Mace <laughs> saved everyone. When he asks about Kia, Yoda says she must face imprisonment for her roles in the attacks, even though she's so young. Then Windu doesn't think that everyone was actually saved. Um, Mace is a weapon. No duh. <laughs> um, he was taught this in the temple. Does that sound right to you, Adam? I need your thoughts. Dude's a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> um, Enough said. <laughs> like I did. I, you know, everyone knows how we feel about Mace Windu. Um, yep. He should stay flown out of that window and no, never come back. But yeah. Um, he is a weapon, as you said. He's <laughs> he's just, yeah, enough said. <laughs> no, enough said. He's our corn um, horn. He really is, though. He really is. I need I need Joxy to make an, uh, an 
a mace emoji. Um, I think he probably, I, th- I think he turned down my purgle emoji wish the other day. So if anybody else wants to recommend the mace one, I would love it. Even if it's just mace with a red cancel sign over him, that's fine too. Um, Patrick, you know, I want to go to you with this next question, which is, you know, Mace is pretty much a very confusing character, right? Like on one hand, he is just let's kill everybody. But then the other hand, we see here that he's not, um, you know, he's trying to be sympathetic, I guess, to this this girl, right, who maybe didn't have a choice. um, And he's upset that she's going to go to prison. Um, How did that sit with you? And would there be an alternative to that? She was. I just thought the whole thing was kind of out of character because I felt like he would have escorted her to jail himself, like in the Clone Wars or something. He's like, no, I'll just make sure you get on the prison ship. All right. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah. Um, And. I really like to be fair, even though you were like coerced into it, you kind of still. Did still have terrorist. a choice. Yeah, you still did terrorist things. You 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 go to jail. That, that, sorry, not really. Yeah, it's one of those things where I think you still there are going to be consequences. I mean, every good thing that you do comes with consequences as well. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I would have how I would have approached that. But I at least appreciate seeing that Mace might have a little bit of a heart. He might not be he you know, he might. I don't know. He's fine. Maybe Um, let's move on to someone who is most definitely okay in my book. 501 plus one, um, we get the Battle of Aaron Terra. Um, Rex has been knocked unconscious, but Skywalker is there. Um, he should have been at the front leading. Rex flashes to the Battle of Memban. There are droids everywhere. Jedi Lon Teak gets shot. Senator Jar Jar Binks is running around trying not to die, <laughs> much like me. Uh, with the Teak gone, um, or with Teak gone, uh, the command falls to Binks. Rex orders a retreat, but he goes to take out the shield generator on his own. Everyone else needs to keep the senator safe. Rex fights for a few hours and then is gunned down, and he's about to be killed. A lightsaber mows down the droids. Jar Jar has the fallen Jedi's blade, and he starts to lose control of it. He didn't want it to fall into the wrong hands. Um, Jar Jar says Rex is brave, but not very smart for wanting to end the battle on his own. He quotes the line from Anakin earlier, which is a true leader always leads from the front. Droid reinforcements start to show up and Rex asks if Jar Jar wants to join him in finishing the job. He'd be proud to. Rex hands him a weapon, not the lightsaber, and they charge into battle together. Guys, holy smokes. Maybe maybe this set of comics did not give me Jackson like the last set did, but it gave me Jar Jar wielding a freaking lightsaber. Please give me more. (laughs) Um, He is one of the only few non force sensitives to wield one. Um, I want to know, can any of you guys name the others that in canon have never will or have wielded a lightsaber and have not been force sensitive? Adam, do you have any guesses? I don't actually have a full list, but I have at least one other in mind. Nothing's jumping out to me, but I'm sure when you read the list, I'm going to kick myself. (laughs) Okay. Patrick. Um, Grievous and Solo. Those are the two that I had in mind. Han Han Solo being the first because I watched Empire Strikes Back recently and I was like, God, I love that. That's so cool. So shout out to Maggie and Alexander. Who's the other one? What? Never mind. I lied. Oh, actually, actually, Padme does get it in Clone Wars briefly. Uh, The episode where they get uh, uh, where Cad Bane and all them storm the does she use it or is she just holding it? Yeah, hostage crisis. I, I think, yeah, hostage crisis. I feel like she uses it to break them out, right? Or at least to That's get him right. out of his cuffs. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, where did you get that? Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so I think that's the one where they like, get frisky in the office before everything goes black. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Of uh, course. So fun. And thank you to Maggie and Alexander for helping to make sure that we caught everybody. Um, fans force sensitive. So yes, I took that one back. Yeah. Um. So good. Uh, I forgot to do the favorite page panel for the last comic. Did y'all have a favorite one from that one? Uh, from the Mace uh, story. Did y'all have a favorite page or panel there, Adam? Nope. 
<laughs> Patrick, how about you? I scrolled through it as fast as I could. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> I just loved seeing the bad guy sitting on a on a throne of skulls. I thought that was very interesting and a cool a cool thing that will probably never be seen again. I was just like, oh, it's neat. So, um, so you had a favorite panel in the Mace comic, so you're a Mace fan, really? Maybe. I don't know. I He's just, betrayed us it, yet again, Adam. It's a thing. Stop it, guys. All right, what about Jar Jar? My favorite one is Jar Jar wielding the lightsaber in that hero shot. That's all. That's enough. Adam, do you have one for here? Uh, I 100% agree. That lightsaber in Jar Jar's hand. And I'm just <laughs> going to point out that Jar Jar survived this encounter, but Jackson did not. Does that make Jar Jar a better Jedi? I have, I have words that I want to say to you that I can't say right now. <laughs> Stop it, you mean man. <laughs> Patrick, how about you? I mean, is there any other... No. Okay, then. No. <laughs> I don't even Good have to call. explain it. Good call. Um, and yes, Alexander, I do see uh, your comments there in the chat. Yeah, Finn technically is force sensitive. Um, they make some pretty heavy allusions to it in the novelizations. Um, and I'm pretty sure that J.J. Abrams came out. It's more meta, but I'm pretty sure that he also said, yeah, that was the intent that this was this is what we meant. Um, so that was the secret that he was trying to tell Ray all in um, The Rise of Skywalker was that, hey, I, I have it, too. I can feel feel things. So it's really cool. Um, guys, this is a lot of fun. We have done this now for 18 weeks. Um, that's wild. And this was our last episode of 2020. Let's get this trash out of the way. <laughs> Let's take a nice three week break and then come back super strong with Light of the Jedi. Um, did you have a favorite thing that we talked about over the course of this, you know, 18 weeks together, technically 21, if you count Ahsoka? I think that probably story wise, my favorites would have to be Revenge of the Sith and Kenobi. I think that our conversations went real deep. And in that, I think during that time, we just, we became our own thing. So I, I did love that. And I love that we uh, have the, we go further than, Pew Pew and lightsaber hacks off hand. I think that sometimes those conversations are very important to have. Yeah, I'm I'm right there, right there with you. It's been it's been really fun to to get to build this from the ground up with you guys. Um, Patrick, are you back? Hey, can you hear me now? Yes, I we can. Got you. My favorite has been one tacos. Um, <laughs> yes, tacos. And number two, no, I like how we all have different, but. We all have different aspects on how a lot of these. Um, man, I had it and I lost it. I just, I just had a brain fart. Just you? The, no, the last it's bit of really twenty twenty. But no, I love how we've talked in depth on a lot of different aspects of one, the force, and two, these dark and heavy moments, like, um, like Anakin's breakdown in Revenge of the Sith. Um, Kenobi's like his reminiscing and his pain, yeah, and even like the rise of the First Order and bloodlines. Yeah, yeah, it's been really fun to get to hit all of these um, these different aspects on a level that I mean we get in the Discord chats, which is is cool, like in you know their own um, stories. But it's nice to be able to talk to 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 really hear it out and have a. Mm. a, a a full-fledged conversation i think about these things that um and we all have such varying backgrounds and um and kind of baggage that we kind of bring with it and i think that that's very helpful as well um to get to talk through those things together um really fun really fun so glad to have you guys here with me um glad to be doing it uh, maggie so glad that you're able to catch us live um today we um, like I said, I can't remember if you were in here. I think you were here at the very beginning um, that we are now going to be off until January 9th, um, where we will be back reading Light of the Jedi. Um, so glad to have y'all in here. Alexander, glad you were able to be back, too. Uh, and for everyone else who's listening to us. Oh, Trevor. Hey. Hey, bud. <laughs> or Trev, I see you. Sorry, popping in here um, as we're ending, but super glad uh, to see you around. 
Thank y'all for participating here in the Conjure Book Club. Whether you're listening to us live or you're listening to us on Patreon, so thankful to have you be a part of this. We'll be back, like I said, January 9th, 2021, to talk through Light of the Jedi. In the meantime, you can find me, I'm Timothy, on Twitter and Discord at underscore T Guthrie. Adam is at DarkStarAU, and Patrick is on Discord at Mac11. If you want to help support the show, head on over to utini.com, look up Age of Republic, and click the Amazon link on the profile. While you're at it, go ahead and add Light of the Jedi to that mix. We're going to be reading the first eight chapters, um, chapters one through eight of Light of the Jedi on January 9th. So make sure to do that. Um, It'll keep us on the air and help us produce some more awesome content when you hit that Amazon link. Um, You'll also find links to Age of Republic and January's book, Light of the Jedi, and now February's book, Heir to the Empire, in the show notes. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon or pick up some merch at utini.com forward slash merch. A special thank you to Sally and Chris Eilerson, Kyle Hickman, Elizabeth Cloutier, and our very own Freddie C on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier, and Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support. See you by 2020. We will see y'all in 2021. Adam and Patrick, thanks for being here, guys. May the Force be with you, everyone. <laughs>